0: this is cruise radio
1: rewind real reviews from real cruisers welcome to this weekend's episode of cruise radio rewind my name is Doug Parker today we're going to talk about cruise ship staterooms or cabins whatever you want to call them seems to be 50/50 there split right down the middle how to pick them what to look for in decisions we may have to make looking forward Let's do this thing. Joining me is Tommy Casavona, host of the Always Be Booked Cruise Podcast, and Richard Sims, staff writer at cruiseradio.net. Hey there. Well, hey. Hey, Doug. What's going on? So what kind of stateroom you book is really going to depend on what type of person you are?
0: Yeah, for me personally, I always, always, always go with a balcony. If possible, an aft balcony, I'm one of those people who really... Um, takes a lot of time to pick the right stateroom. I want to be situated between. I want. To, I want staterooms below me, staterooms above me. I, you know, I'm very, very picky about that. I want. I need the open air. I need the view. Uh, so I am definitely someone who knows exactly what he wants and tends to pick his own stateroom. Like I don't le- like
2: to leave it up to anybody else. But that's me, Tommy. What about you? I'll be honest. I'm a little all over the map. I am definitely what you might call the shop around guy. Listen, I'm a cruise guy. I like my ships. I like my itineraries. I like to have a nice room, but most importantly, I want to be on the ship. So I do I do also happen to be a great deal guy. So if I can get away with spending my cruise money on one cruise, I'll do that if I get a nice room. But if I can maybe cut that cost a little bit, guess what that means? That means another cruise. Once I'm booked, I'll play it like the stock market, actually. You know, there'll be a lot of variables. <laughs> It'll be like, how much money do I have in my bank account at that time? Uh, you know, you're basically you're on the ship now. So I'll figure out how much money do I have coming in? Are things going good at work? Also, I'll I'll, I'll look into how well that particular cruise is selling and how will that affect the pricing should I want to upgrade? Now, if the numbers are at all close to being feasible, I usually break down by the end and get a balcony, but I will not. Have any issues if the price is right with sticking with an inside cabin?
1: See, for me, I'm really big on what itinerary it is. So, like the Caribbean, got to have a balcony, right? I mean, you got to check out that sail away from San Juan, St. Martin, St. Thomas, Antigua. But on a transatlantic cruise, I like to do those like every other year or so, typically between 14 and 16 nights. Definitely an inside stateroom. I don't get to sleep in that often, thanks to all those years in morning radio waking up at 345. So I take advantage of my sleep. And plus on a transatlantic, very few ports, like maybe four of them on 16 nights. So chances are you're not going to sleep through much except breakfast. That's so funny to me because
0: I'm just the opposite. Like I've never done a transatlantic yet. I can't wait to. But I imagine that that that's the situation where I would definitely want a balcony as opposed to like, if I had to, I could do an inside room for like a four day trip to the Bermuda or the Bahamas or something like that. But a transatlantic with 14 days, I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm going to need some fresh air every step of the way here. I think one of the things that's important for people to recognize is um, so often people just book a room by category. They're Mm -hmm. like, you know, like we've all talked about what kind of category we like, but Within that, there are all these meta categories that people don't really realize. They'll be like, "Oh, I'm booking a, a balcony." So, all balconies are the same, and they're totally not. There's there's a lot of different kinds of not only balconies, but even like ocean views. Uh, interiors are pretty much all the same. You know, some will some will be a little bit bigger. You'll get two rooms, or or you know, room for two people, room for three people, whatever. But anything above that is kind of you know, there's a lot of different categories, and some of them are people book them and don't even know. Like I was talking to uh, someone I, I just booked this week. I booked Encore for Thanksgiving, hoping that you know things will be back to normal by then. And when I looked, it turned out the person who was helping me book it um, actually booked a bump balcony. And there are a lot of people who wouldn't know what that is. Um, and a bump balcony is one of those ones where the ship sort of goes, um, you know, the, the shape of the ship goes out a little bit it bumps out and those balconies are are curved or or more like a triangle really and they give you a little bit more space and that's what she ended up getting me um on a previous trip I think it was when I was on the sunrise maybe or the sunshine I had a cove balcony and again a lot of people don't know what that means it says enclosed and they're like does that mean I'm gonna have a window so I think it's kind of important that people understand all of the different meta categories that are within any one category
1: and i think it's also important because you want to pay attention to those cabin categories sometimes you may book a cruise and you might see it's an interior cabin but what does 4a or 4b 4c 4d what does that mean or if you're booking a balcony cabin what does a 7a or 7c mean if you have any questions It's just good to go online and say, "Hey, ask Uncle Google what is a four A cabin on Carnival, which is their basically their smallest category of cabin." Would you say that, Tommy? Definitely.
2: I'd also say, stay away from creepy Uncle Google. You never know about that guy. You gotta (laughs) watch out for him. Um, Listen, the insides are mostly standard, as you guys said. The difference is now on a particular ship or a cruise line, you do have the Promenade View stateroom, which I guess is typically considered an inside cabin but it is not i guess you have the window there looking onto the promenade um you also may want to see the location as far as the inside cabin i personally don't mind noise but i do mind that awkward 100 yard wet flip-flop walk so i don't (laughs) really mind being near the elevators um ocean views typically not my thing uh to me it's like if you're gonna spend the money get the balcony otherwise save the money uh if i can't smell the ocean i certainly don't need to you know Creep up and look through the uh, foggy porthole window. There is one exception that Royal Caribbean, those spacious panoramic ocean view windows. I got to say, that might even be. You know what? For me, it definitely was better than a balcony. You know what I'm talking about? Those big uh, panoramic ocean views.
1: It, would yeah. that be, yeah, would that be like Carnival's, uh, those forward cabins on Carnival, Richard? Like the Vista, what are they called? Vista cabins? Yeah,
0: what are they called? Captain's Vista or something like that. There's, you know, I also, I, one time I booked a, the one and only time I booked an inside room, it was on a uh, Norwegian getaway. I was only getting on the ship for four days. It was a quick trip to Bermuda that I hadn't really planned for. So I went ahead and just booked an interior and I was given the option to upgrade via, via Norwegians, you know, upgrade advantage or whatever they call it. And so I, I for a hundred bucks, I upgraded to a ocean view and it was the coolest room because it happened to be one of those ocean view rooms that's, that's at the very front of the ship. And while it didn't have, you know, like floor to ceiling windows or anything like that, it had a ginormous porthole shaped window that overlooked the front of the ship. And so as, as ocean views go, you know, that was pretty good. But Tommy, I agree with you. I'm, Really picky on where my room is. I think it's really important before you plop down the money for a room that you know you do a quick check and say, oh yeah, I'm not above the theater, you know, or I'm not right below the bowling alley or whatever. I think that's really important. One category that um I think a lot of people get confused by is the guaranteed stateroom. Have you ever done a guarantee? I've never done one.
1: Yeah. I have I that's all I pretty much do when I'm not doing a transatlantic. I look to do a ocean view or a balcony guarantee. Um and that's just for pricing because I'm more of like, you know, I want to spend money uh, on shore or I want to spend money elsewhere. So I'll just look for the cheapest one. And normally, I mean, that would be compared to what is it like Norwegian's sailaway rate is a guarantee? Yes. Yes, okay. so that's a guarantee. So basically, a guarantee is let's say
0: you book a guaranteed balcony. You are guaranteed that you are going to get a balcony, but you don't know what kind of balcony. And that's where the meta categories come in. Um, you have no idea if it's going to be an obstructed view balcony. You might end up in like the nicest balcony. You also can be booked above that. For example, you might book a guaranteed inside. And if when the time to sale comes, they've, they've basically sold all the insides, they might bump you up to an ocean view. Now, I'm a big believer that you should not book something hoping that you will be booked into bumped up, you know, book what you want, because otherwise you're going to have a terrible sailing. You know, like if you think if you book an inside room saying to yourself, oh, yeah, but I'm sure I'll end up in an ocean view. No, 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 no. If you want to play that odds. Great. But make sure you're going to be happy with where you end up. 100%
2: 100% agree. You also have to kind of consider the fact that nowadays, the upgrades are a little bit dicey, right? Because one of the cruise lines started doing whole bid process. And then they all started doing that. Now, the upgrades still do happen based on you just kind of what depending on how the ship is sailing. But I think the I guess the your, your odds have gone down a little bit about uh, regarding getting bumped up across categories based on them kind of insto- instilling this book uh, this bidding process.
0: Very true. And I think the other thing that's important to know, and this is especially true with Norwegian Cruise Line, is um, when you book a guaranteed stateroom, you usually are not going to get the same kind of perks that you get if you book that normal stateroom. For example, if I book a balcony stateroom, I usually get at least two perks. I usually take like the dining package and the beverage package. If I book a balcony stateroom that's a sail away, most of the time you are not going to get that they do have rare times when they they do extend like one perk to the to a person in a, a guarantee but normally you're not going to get that you're going to just get the room at the great price but you know none of the extras that go with it those are saved for the people who are
2: actually paying the full price for the room so no that makes perfect sense i was wondering if you guys because i actually did have some actual experience with getting a let's see you know the uh the, the guaranteed balcony And then they gave me the guaranteed balcony. And then when I got my stateroom, I saw that I was forward and the balcony looked huge. So I was like really excited about the room that I got. When you get on the ship, you realize why as a guaranteed balcony purchaser, you realize why you ended up with that balcony. Because of the fact that, you know, forward facing, you're completely shielded from the front. Mm -hmm. And then you're also looking at the front of the ship. You're not looking at the ocean. Now, you had plenty of room. Granted, the, the, the it was almost like having another half a room outside, but you really don't. If you like the balcony, you usually do that because you really enjoy connecting with the sea, and that experience was totally taken away from taken away from you. Um, and you know, transversely, a cove balcony, which is usually a lot more inexpensive, is the perfect experience for me. You know, if they basically gave me a cove as a result of my guarantee, I'd be perfectly fine with that. But have you guys ever actually experienced that getting a uh, guarantee and then thinking you're getting an upgrade and actually kind of being disappointed?
1: I haven't done that. I mean, with the guarantee, uh, for instance, I, the last three guarantee cruises all turned out differently. I booked a guarantee on Norwegian star, super cheap rate. I'm talking like $269 for seven nights out of Venice, booked a guarantee. And I realized when I got assigned my room why it was a guarantee right under the damn dance floor. Mm. So I was hearing tapping and noise until like 3 or 4 a.m. some nights. And then on Royal Caribbean, I did it – we're going back old school here on Majesty of the Seas. I did book an interior room and I was upgraded to an ocean view room, which was nice. And same thing with Carnival Fantasy. Um, Back a couple of years ago, I booked an interior room and we were upgraded to an ocean view room. So – it's hit or miss for me. I don't have issues sleeping. So yeah, the dance club was late, was loud. But I mean if you're getting if you're paying two hundred and sixty nine dollars for a seven night cruise out of Venice and you can handle the noise and you can sleep through it, more power to you.
0: And I will say you might have that happen anyway. I mean, I, you know, one of my first sailings was on the Norwegian breakaway and I had an aft facing balcony, you know, huge. It was, it was like, it was, it was monstrous size. I could have had like 30 people over for cocktails and they all could have social distanced with no problem. (laughs) It was humongous. It was an amazing balcony, but it was also because it's aft facing, I was on the 14th or 15th floor and either one or two floors above me was Spice H2O, which is, of course, where they have the really loud late night parties. And, you know, I would be I'd go to bed, you know, I'd be like 10 o'clock. I'd go to bed and be like, "Okay, I'm going to get a good night's sleep. And all of a sudden the party would start up there. And it was like, well, yeah, hell, you might as well just get up and go because you're not going to sleep until that party is (laughs) over. So, you know, it, it really there are things that you think you're taking into account, because I checked and I'm like, you know, staterooms above me, staterooms below me, but two floors up was a party so loud that it that it actually impacted me. So there even with these things, there can be a little bit of a gamble. I also didn't know, the first time I booked a cove balcony, I did it accidentally. I just, this is exactly the reason that I think we're kind of doing this show, is to, you know, sort of tell people to make sure you know what you're doing. I booked a balcony, I thought it was just like any other balcony. It turned out it was a cove, which for people who don't know, coves tend to, I think, usually, not always, but usually they tend to be a little bit lower. So you're very close to the water and they're sort of um, enclosed a little bit. That doesn't mean there's a wall or a wall of glass or anything. It's just it's almost like it's almost like a hole cut into the hull, um, a really big hole. It's great. You get no wind resistance. Um, you, you really get much less noise from your neighbors. Uh, nobody can peek around the corner. Cove balconies, it was a complete accident. I ended up in one, but it was kind of an awesome thing.
2: Richard, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the little I know about you. I'm trying to figure out you actually are going to sleep while there's a spice H2O party going on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, see, here's the thing you have to know about me. Uh, as, as as Doug can attest from past voyages we've wound up on together, um, I tend to start—I'm the first person down at the atrium bar in the morning. They're, like, setting up in the morning, and I'm like, okay, get the Bloody uh. Mary Mix out first. So um, I do love the parties at Spice H2O, but my big problem is if you have any experience with day drinking—and I know you do—you know that, like, there's that point where you're like, okay, I need a nap. And sometimes that comes right after dinner. You have a big dinner and you've had, you know, some drinks all day and you're like, oh yeah, I'm out. I'm going to get an early night.
2: But oh, yeah. it doesn't always window. work out that way, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. <laughs> Understand totally. There is a window.
1: <laughs> That's one thing I noticed too about myself. I barely drink on land. Like I may have a drink on land once every three months, but when I'm at sea, I'll take a vodka and soda a few times a day.
0: Yeah, but, you know, really, and I think I speak for both Tommy and myself here, you're still in the minor leagues compared to uh, us, you know, yeah, I mean. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah, that is true. But I can attest to uh, seeing Doug getting after it pretty good, at least on the uh, on the island, at least in Puerto Rico and St. Thomas,
1: you, you did some damage. Yeah. We I've only a-
0: seen it once on land. I don't think I've ever seen it on sea. I've seen it once on land, but that was about it.
1: Where, where on land were we?
0: Uh, that place with the dueling pianos. You, you were, you were having fun that night.
1: Oh, that was with, um, with, uh, Tommy's buddy CJ. Yes. 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 Yes.
0: You, you were having fun that night. And then (sighs) we got to that. And then we went to that next bar where they were basically pouring straight whiskey into glasses. (laughs) You know, you'd order like a whiskey and Coke and they'd give you like whiskey and then a floater of Coke on top. So that was, that was a great Fun night.
1: What were the, uh, what were those bars? That was in Hell's Kitchen, right? Yes,
0: one was uh, one was called something like Hallowell Gardens, mm-hmm. and I don't remember the other place. The other place was sort of a prohibition style place that was very 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 cool. But um, but yeah, but on, on on ships, I've seen you have a drink here or there, but you're not really. You're not really a big sea drinker.
2: We could also mention Johnny Utahs if we'd like. Let's
1: not. Only. Okay, yes. we're going to go to another uh, the other segment <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, let's I talk about tales. so let's talk about booking a stateroom in the age of social distancing.
0: You know, one thing that hasn't come up a lot so far. We're we're still in the early stages where we're hearing. You know, Norwegian has been probably the most. Uh, transparent with their plans so far, but everybody's still waiting to hear what the CDC is going to say and how all the cruise lines are going to implement. But one thing that I have not heard mentioned anywhere um, that I think is going to be a very big concern, especially on the mega ships, is elevators. There's no way to social distance under the best of circumstances in an elevator, you know, even on land. But we've all seen on sea that, you know, every time an elevator opens up, there's 50 people in there, so I guess I'll take the stairs. When I booked Encore for Thanksgiving, I really kind of took that into into account. And I said, okay, where do I spend the most time on the ship? Let's get a room that's sort of within a floor or two of that so that I can use the stairs as much as possible. And so, you know, like on Norwegians, mega ships like the, the Breakaway and Breakaway Plus class ships – They have the 678 Ocean Plaza, which is where like all the restaurants and the casinos and the bars and all that, they're all basically in that area. So I went with something on the ninth floor so that I'm, you know, I'm I'm close and I can get to it and I don't have to go all the way up to the 15th floor because while I don't mind taking stairs, I don't necessarily want to go up 15 floors every time I, you know, want to do something. I think, am I right that aren't the ships also going to be sailing at reduced capacity? So that could make... Stateroom selection a little dicier. am I right?
1: Norwegian did say that they are in that conference call the other day. They said they're reserving rooms for isolation. So if they're reserving rooms for isolation, I'm sure in quarantine that those are going to be staterooms. Yeah, I would think. You know, your first instinct is well, put them in, put them in
0: the inside rooms because you know they're they're the cheapest. But there's also been a lot of talk about how you know you want people who are in quarantine to have fresh air, and the best way to do that would be to put them in balcony staterooms. So maybe you set aside a couple balcony staterooms. The fact of the matter is, if they are, you know, one of the cruise lines, I can't remember which one, said during their earnings call that um, that they could sail at basically 30 to 35 percent capacity and make money. Now I don't think we're going to see that, but I do think they'll be sailing like around probably. 45 50 percent right now to get started and that here's the thing even if fewer people want to sail which there's a lot of demand for cruising out there even right now but even if it turns out that like you know a lot of people decide no i'm gonna wait see how it goes With half of the rooms unavailable because uh, they're sailing at limited capacity, that could drive the prices up because that is the law of supply and demand. Even though there's fewer people wanting to sail, there's fewer staterooms available as well. So, and plus there's the fact that they want to make their money. Tommy, do you think? Have you have you noticed anything like that? Have you noticed uh, pricing increases at all?
2: Well, I definitely have not seen price decreases like I think everybody (laughs) across the board thought they would. Uh, I've noticed a couple of things. Regarding the elevators, I think you're going to have – let me step back. It's going to be a general thing. I think that if you go on a cruise over the course of the next few months, I think – and trust me, I'm booked on two cruises right now. But I do think you are going to have to – and I use this term a lot manage your expectations because aside from the things that they do kind of think of what's what's to do with the elevators how to handle the buffets uh i, I even heard that bahama paradise cruise line i heard that they were going to do a system where they they book every other deck i don't know i don't know what's real i don't know what's rumor factual all i do know is that if you are booked on a cruise over the course of the next three months maybe through the through the year you are going to have to manage your expectations Because aside from what they do With the elevators, what they do with the buffets How they distance people in the main theater There are going to be things And regulations and I guess rules That they're going to have to come up with on the fly Because mm-hmm. there's no possible way To be able to understand, comprehend And try to litigate all this stuff That you're going to see on a day-to-day basis Throughout a cruise Like what is going to be the deal with masks Where are you going to have to What, what do you? Where are you going to have to wear a mask I mean I think I would probably 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 have a mask on me at all time, and if I was going to get into an elevator, I'd probably, definitely, that would be a point where I would put the mask on. But you know what? What else is going to happen in the in the club, in the day, in the night, in the nightclub? Can two people meet each other and start dancing together? How are they going to regulate this? I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. And all I'll say, I say cruise, go on a cruise, book a cruise, enjoy a cruise, but understand that there is so much unknown you are absolutely going to have to manage your expectations across I 100%, the board
0: i 100 percent agree i've actually written about this a few times over the last few weeks sort of you know before you're booking your cruise or as you're booking your cruise ask yourself are you ready for it you know are you going to be able to get on that ship and have a great time no matter what circumstances arise and you know it is going to be weird like like i the people I probably feel the worst for are the people who work on the ship and are going to have to enforce these rules the first few months while we're readjusting to this. You know, the person who's going to have to go up to somebody and be like, dude, you, you have to put on your mask. And, you know, that guy's had a few drinks and he's going to be belligerent and doesn't want to do it. So I, I but I agree with you 100 percent, no matter what kind of state room you book, um, no matter where on the ship it is, be prepared to sort of, you know, Bring your annex. It.
2: Yeah, roll yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. I would also say too, like in that same kind of regard, I'm saying across the board when it, whether it comes to restaurants, on land, public places, any place you go to for your recreation, mm-hmm. I think your level of you know, to, I was going to say the same thing you just did regarding how are you possibly going to regulate and enforce these types of things. And I think my short answer to that, it's very general. I know that, but is if you are still of one of those people who are, I guess, nervous, whether you're because you have a pre-existing condition or you consider yourself to be in the at-risk demographic, any of that type of thing, I would say, if you are going to worry about it, you it, the, the onus is going to eventually come on you. I don't say don't cruise, but don't put yourself in those areas, those common areas where there's a lot of people. You know what, if you're the type of person, like I am, who could enjoy a cruise Basically, just by getting room service and enjoying a balcony, then that might be how you have to cruise. Maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but maybe you know a lesser version of it. You know, Understand that people are going to not be taking this thing as seriously as you are. And if you see somebody approaching you, it's kind of going to be on you to take the step back. If you're ready to cruise, cruise. I would add to that, if you are someone who is
0: set in your ways and who is like, I don't care what they say, I'm going to cruise the way I always cruised. Maybe wait a few months, you know, let things settle in before you go in there like a bull in the china shop being like, you know, well, you can't make me wear a mask and you can't make me, you know, stand six feet away from somebody. And I'm going to gamble at the table whether I want to or not, you know, like like if you're going to be that person, if you're going into it with that attitude, then, you know, maybe just give them a little while to get things in place. And, you know, make sure that it's going to be okay
2: for you. And I agree with you 100 percent on that. But you might have an uphill battle considering that type of personality who decides they're going to cruise how they want may not be the same person that says, you know what, maybe ease back a little bit. But I do (laughs) agree with you 100 percent. That's the way it should be.
1: Back what you were saying before you both went off the rails. um, I think that like don't return to cruise until you're ready to return, given like what you guys just went off on over the past couple of minutes because like i'm getting people in my building which is i'm in a 20 something story building downtown jacksonville a lot of people work in here they're like you're going on a cruise why are you doing that so early i wouldn't go until next year i'm like yeah and it's not for everyone like i'm comfortable doing it i understand the associated risks and everything like that Um, but if you're not comfortable, you do you, you stay home until you are.
0: Yeah. And, you know, to bring this sort of full circle back to what our original topic was, you know, if you are going to go on a cruise right now and you're thinking, you know, there might be some uncertainty about what I'm able to do, what I'm not able to do, where where I'll have to wear a mask, whatever. My recommendation, my personal recommendation would be to get a balcony because like Tommy said, I could do the same thing. I could spend an entire week like napping on my deck and on my balcony and reading a book and having room service brought to me and I would be, you know, happy as a pig in his proverbial playpen. So if if you know if you really worry at all about the fact that you know you might not be comfortable on the ship once you get on there, make sure the space you book whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, a balcony or and and I'd like to ask you guys this question, too. Do you think that given this new sort of reality, do you think spaces like the Haven or uh, the space on MSC that I can't remember the name of right now, the Yacht Club, mm-hmm. do you think spaces like that where it's going to be you're paying more really, in a way, for the privilege of being away from the masses. Do you think we're going to see the prices on those go up? Like, because let's say you're getting a balcony in the Haven. Well, now you're not only getting a balcony, but you're getting a private area away from people, which might be very valuable in, in this age of social
1: distancing. Do you think we'll see those prices skyrocket? I think so. I mean, as they said on Norwegian Cruise Line's earnings call a couple of weeks ago, they only need 30% of the ship full to make money. And if they're only filling, let's just say 80% of the ship, they're going to have to tack on some extra charges. And I think you could be paying a premium for places like the Haven or the Yacht Club or Royal Caribbean's, I forgot what they're called, their suite area.
0: Or even spaces like Spice H2O, you know, mm, or not totally. Spice H2O, that's the free one, but the the Vibe, the Vibe Club, yeah. which, you know, which is is uh, you have to pay to get an admission. and it, And they only allow like 60 people in there. Uh, during the course of the week. So I can imagine that that would suddenly become, you know, again, going back to the law of supply and demand, that becomes something that's much more valuable because you get to go behind that. We all pay more to be behind a gated
2: community, and that is a gated community on a cruise ship. I'm okay with all that stuff, but if you start telling me that I got to pull out a $5 bill and covered charge to get into the piano bar, that's where I'm going to draw the line. No,
1: (laughs) there won't be that, but... No. no. Well, let's... No. No, never on Norwegian. (laughs) All right, Tommy, Richard, final thoughts.
0: Well, you know, my big one is know what you're booking. Make sure that, you know, if you're getting an inside stateroom, you know exactly what you're getting. If you're getting uh, a balcony, you know what meta category you're in. And also, this can't be stressed enough. It was important before. I think it's more important now. You have got to get travel insurance. I will not be surprised if in the not too distant future, they make travel insurance mandatory. You know, uh, that just seems like something that. It seems like a no-brainer in this day and age that you wouldn't want people to have to have travel insurance before they get on your ship. So whether they make it mandatory or not, that is a must-get travel insurance.
2: No, 100%. And I say it's just about the research. Definitely use YouTube. There's basically a stateroom tour out there for everything. If it's not your exact stateroom, it's definitely going to be something in your category and on your ship. Now, uh, I would say definitely check out the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. There's plenty of, plenty of stuff as far as tours and things like that. Um, As a travel agent, I do think it's important, though, to point out who you're traveling with and if you absolutely know what kind of room you're going to need. For example, many uh, rooms on a cruise, they have four people. They can accommodate four people. The problem is not all of them do. Now, if you were going to go with two people and you think you may want to add two more, you have to realize at the initial time of booking that you want to make sure that you have a room that can expand to four people, that can accommodate four people. Because that happens all the time. And I see it happen all the time. The ship sells out, and then all, the, all of a sudden the other two people are out. But in general, use your resources. There's tons of stuff out there. And just you know, don't get, don't get cold with your pants down. Not – understanding what you're actually booking.
0: If I can just say something there, um as a, from a personal example, that's a, what you just brought up is really really important and this goes for people who are sort of trying to I don't want to say trick the system, but um I had a trip a trip booked to Alaska later this year that got canceled. And the way we originally built it, I was traveling with my sister and her husband and my niece. And To to sort of even the cost out a little bit, we booked it as if my niece was going to be staying in my room, and then my, my sister and her husband would be in their room. And once we got on board, the plan was that she would go over there, you know, but it would save money to book it as if she was staying with me. Well very fortunately when we were talking to our cruise consultant um she pointed out you know there's only room in the room that your sister booked for two people there is no third space for your niece to sleep
1: she will have to stay with you so yeah make sure you know how many people fit in that room and that segues to my point just to be 100 percent sure of what you're getting make sure you use a travel agent we're big advocates of travel agents here on cruise radio we've had becky on numerous times I think it's good to clear a misconception up here, too. And, Tom, you could probably speak on this as well. People are like, I don't want to use a travel agent because I have to pay extra fees or whatever. But really, the cruise line is paying them to book. You're not paying an extra dime to use a travel agent. 100%.
2: Absolutely. The, the travel agent is paid by the cruise line. And ultimately the host agency, but that's, that's, it's very simple. Listen, I am very, very clear as a travel agent myself. I say, if you were one of those people, like for me, I would not recommend myself use a travel agent because I am obsessed with booking cruises, looking for cruises, just staring at computer screens with cruises on them. That's like what I like to do. Uh, And so that's why I became a travel agent. I realized that not everybody is that way. Uh, And especially since I could have absolutely used a travel agent from my first couple of cruises, because the advice that you can get is invaluable. The time that you save is invaluable. And like you just laid out, Doug, it's absolutely free for you.
1: And that'll do it for this weekend's episode of Cruise Radio Rewind. Comments, suggestions, questions, Doug at cruiseradio.net. You can also send me a voice memo there as well. A lot of people doing that these days. All right, we're done and we'll talk to you on Thursday. Protect yourself and your neighbors. Take care.
0: During these difficult times for the travel industry, Cruise
1: Radio stands behind
0: the men and women who work so hard to bring our vacation dreams to life. From the captains and crew to travel agents, tour operators, vendors and port employees, we offer a sincere thank you on behalf of the thousands of guests whose lives you impact each and every day.